Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. In fact, we're in the French Catholic Cafe. We are on pilgrimage with the Order of Malta in Lourdes, France, and it's such a wonderful, wonderful experience. I just love this time of year. I love coming here. I love recording radio shows here and meeting all the incredible people that we meet when we're on pilgrimage. Uh, in fact, met one of those wonderful people, and her name is Suzanne Hollerbach Nelson, and she is a dame of Malta. And, uh, well, Suzanne, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so glad that I had the opportunity just to hear a little brief bit of your story. And it was just something that struck me when you were talking. You were speaking with the Malads, the, 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 the sick that we bring with us on pilgrimage, um, and you were speaking just a little bit about your own experience. And it's always interesting to find out why people come to Lourdes, and not only why they come once, but why they would come back, right? And, or maybe how they found themselves here if they only make it one time to Lourdes. You know, there's so many unique stories, so many opportunities to find out more about people. And so I wanted to just take a few minutes um, and let the folks listening to the Catholic Cafe hear your story and, and why you're here. So if I were to ask you, like, why, why do you keep coming back to Lourdes? Tell me maybe how you got here in the first place. Well, it is an interesting story. Um, so and when I was little, um, I always thought, thought I'd have children. And uh, I remember when I got older and got married, my father said, if you're blessed and you're listening and you're patient, your, te- your best teachers will be your children. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I've got a lot to learn. Yeah. <laughs> so we had five children, and um, Margaret Mary is the youngest of five. Right. And she's actually named after my cousin who passed maybe two weeks before we oh, realized goodness. that we were pregnant. So when we told our kids we were pregnant, mm. Simon said, oh, mommy, if it's a girl, let's name her Margaret Mary. Oh, that's so sweet. So we had a, a group of discalous Carmelite nuns that um, were praying for our unborn baby from the moment we knew we were pregnant. Right. So um, I think she was doubly blessed from the beginning. Amen. There were so many people praying for her. So uh, when she was born, we found out that she had Down syndrome, and I thought, okay, this is no big deal. We can figure this out. And we did, and for the first two and a half plus years, life was pretty good. Did you, now when you first had that diagnosis or that awareness, you, right now you're saying, well, okay, all right, we can move past this. But it probably was a little bit of work on your part and your husband's part, kind of processing that. Well, yeah, that was true. Uh, her birth was interesting, too, but that's probably a story yeah. for another day. Another show. Um, another show. But, but the point is, um, we had, she was about three minutes old when we found out she had Downs. Mm. And so I think I had five days of crying in the hospital because yeah. I was there for five days. And when it was time to go home, I was time to put my research hat on because that's what I love to do. Yeah. She wasn't my first sick child. Our third born was very ill, and he's great now. But um, so, so God had prepared you. To a certain degree for something that might yes, require he, Yes, more. he did. Every one of my children has little autoimmune issues, and every single child had one that was a little bit worse. But do you realize what a blessing that is for you in, the, in, in realizing that God put this? Because I always help people, want them to understand that God 
only puts the weight on the shoulders of those that he's prepared yeah. to carry that weight. Well, I, I understood that because our second born had like terrible reflux, but it was only six weeks. So I yeah. had to stay up at night with her all night oh, long goodness. for six weeks, but it was only six weeks. But the third child was like the first year. Our goal was to get mm. him to breathe on his own. He quit breathing all the time. So by the time Margaret came along, I'm like, okay, we can figure this out. Right. And then um, 2010, she had a, a pretty serious anoxic event. Um, so then we acquired a second diagnosis. What, of, what is that for our listeners who might not know what that means? Um, so she had a period of time where there just wasn't enough oxygen to mm. her brain. So, she, so the diagnosis that she ended up getting was called acquired cerebral palsy because was, it wasn't right. from birth. Uh, but no one really understood what all that was about. And right. then a year later, we ended up with a third diagnosis of autism. And then we ended up with a fourth diagnosis of PANDAS. Goodness gracious. And then we had a fifth diagnosis of Lyme. And, um, and so at that point, we'd uh, been searching everywhere for answers for her. So she got so sick. Uh, God blessed us again with an amazing doctor who we didn't know at the time was in the Order of Malta. Uh-huh. Uh, Dr. Richard Feely. And uh, he asked me, I don't know, two, three months after knowing me, if we would consider bringing Margaret to Lourdes. And I'm like, too far away. Yeah, too far away. And I think you had lots of things that you had to do. It wasn't a simple process of just packing a few bags. Not for this child, no. Yeah. No, she was on a, and she still is on a pretty tight um, Her diet. Because diet yeah. she can't detoxify anything. Everything has to be rotated because she has too much levels of histamine. And so it was definitely a learning experience, but all of my children and their beautiful gifts helped me. One child's very organized, and she says, Mom, you know, you've, you have 135 recipes. I said, oh, I do? She says, yes, I've organized them for you. Here's poultry, here's bison, here's lamb, here's chicken. So then all four of my kids would get together and do a menu for me. So it was rotating. So there's seven Nelsons, right, that each person could take a day of what they wanted to eat, follow the rotation, and we'd never get bored. And it was really easy for me. What a beautiful gift. Wow. What, you're blessed. Yes, I know I am. And so when people say they meet Margaret, they're like, oh, God bless you. And I said, thank you. He did five times. Or they're like, they say it's a blessing, and you're like, thank you. I need that, Lord. Exactly. So to, to here's the long answer to your question. How did I get there? So there was an apparition site, the only one in the United States of America, called Our Lady of Good Help. And right. it's sitting in my backyard, and we'd only been there once. The Order of Malta, Dr. Feely said, would you go with the order to Our Lady of Good Help? And then when I went there, I met so many people just like me, like I mentioned to you before, because mm. I was always looking for a, a spiritual home, and for me it was Malta. So she continued to get sick, and yeah. she got so sick, and it got to the point where her cognition had slid so far that she could no longer um, safely eat. That is so hard, but somehow... Um, you ended up in Lourdes, so, uh, you know, I know that Dr. Feely had said, hey, you want to go to Lourdes, or you should go, and you're like, no, I don't know that I'm up to all of that. Well, and my husband was not opposed to us going, but he didn't, he didn't think he'd ever get a miracle, and so I, um, so she just got so sick, I just felt like, well, we've tried everything else, we've gone to right. so many states, I mean, you name it, we brought her there, Johns Hopkins, we brought her everywhere, mm. and, um. I wasn't prepared to to leave this world without trying everything. So, you know, and that's that's a good. It's a you know, as a parent, you'll do anything, right? You. Oh, I would. Right. So it's, it's every waking moment, and in fact, every dream in your sleep, ultimately, is about your children and, and making sure that you've provided because there's such a great gift that God has given you. Uh, and I feel sorry for the folks that don't realize that. 
Well, she's right. always been she's always been a gift, and I've never seen it any other way. Um, so much God incidents in my life from from the time that child was born. You'd have to be blonde like I am to not get it. And somebody in the order said to me, Suzanne, how many times does God have to hit you over the head before you realize he's calling you? And I said, okay, I, I got the call. Yeah, and so that's we awesome. Went. So you went. Now, what was that experience like? That's the first time you'd ever been Never been like Lord, my, other than the, the Our Lady of Good Help. I've been to Our Lady of Good Help, and I, and it's in a, a beautiful place, and you can definitely feel Mary there. Even my children, mm-hmm. we never told them it was. You know an that apparition, apparition happened one year after. Yes. The one in Lourdes back in Lourdes was eighteen fifty eight. That was eighteen fifty nine, I believe. Mm-hmm. And people in Wisconsin will tell you about the Peshtigo fires, mm-hmm. but none of even the Catholic kids know that Mary's there. Isn't that awesome? Mm-hmm. So you found your way to Lourdes. And so the whole pilgrimage to Lourdes, especially for a Malad and a companion, I don't know if you were prepared to be a companion. No. You were just kind of going, what's getting ready to happen here? Right. And and my husband was not sure if he was going to go or not, and he ended up going. And I remember she was so sick. I said, even if you don't go, I'm going. And I would really never travel alone until that one was born, and then I went everywhere for her. So we went, and I was certainly not prepared to be a, a companion at all. Um, I didn't even know exactly what that meant. Right. But I learned. Um, so what was it like when you first got here? You know, they, you get here, and first of all, you, you get the, the jet lag, and you take that long trip, and then they put you in. The, for me, when I come here, one of the first things we do is we do a big mass in the Rosary Basilica. And I, that church is so beautiful. Yeah. And I just... Um, uh, it's you're tired. It's it's hard to imagine going to mass. You know, having not gone to bed for three days or whatever, and you try to stay awake at mass. And this is kind of like what it feels like, but 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 you sense something beautiful. Well, there. most people probably did, but I was <laughs> not really there quite yet because one of the problems that Margaret had, she had so much brain inflammation, she had a lot of pain, mm, and goodness. I didn't know. I think I intuitively knew it was pain, and I remember. Um, kind of lamenting to a friend, I'll put up with anything if God will just take away the pain uh. for her. So she would make this this high pitched e sound. Right. So um, I was always so preoccupied with trying to find a way to make her comfortable that I don't think I saw much of anything in that basilica that day. Isn't that something? It wasn't until the um, turning point for me was the the, the healing mass. The sacrament of the sick, oh, and yes. she had already received. Um, Bishop Hine had given her the sacrament mm-hmm. of the sick before, because my very good Irish friend Rini said, "Suzanne, it's it's time." Yeah. So I said, "Oh, okay." She's so, like, so that was like, the, the, so the that that particular mass was a, a real turning point for you. I, I, so I want to talk about that, but we're going to take a break. Uh, and before we take that break, I, I want to remind folks at home we got a great website. It's thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me your, uh, your emails. Tell me what's going on in your life. It's deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back with Suzanne Hollerbach-Nelson, a dame of Malta. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Blessed Antonia Messina was born the second of ten children on the Italian island of Sardinia in 1919. She was raised by devout Catholic parents in a small, quiet town on the island. 
At a very early age, after only a few years of primary education, Antonia had to be removed from elementary school so that she could take over her mother's duties at home. Her mother had developed a debilitating heart condition and could no longer handle alone all the homemaking duties required for a large family. Even so, Antonia was obedient and worked very hard for her family. She was never hesitant to cook, clean, fetch wood and water, and care for the other younger children. Her mother, pleased by the devotion shown to the family by Antonia, even at such a young age, referred to Antonia as the flower of my life. Her mother must have felt that Antonia seemed well prepared to become a wonderful mother of her own one day. But that was not to be the case. When Antonia was 16 years old, she and a friend headed off to Holy Mass one May morning. Then afterward, they struck out into the woods to gather firewood for baking. While they were deep in the woods, a local boy snuck up and attacked Antonia from behind. He seemed determined to have his way with her. Her friend screamed and ran for help, but the boy persisted. Antonia fought him off bravely several times, but finally, he struck her several times on the head with a rock to bring her to the ground. She continued to resist his sinful advances until she drew her last breath. The doctor at the postmortem determined that she had endured 74 wounds in the attack, but confirmed that the young man was not successful in his attempt to take her virginity. Antonio Messina was honored in her little hometown because of her brave choice of a brutal death over dishonor. But in a larger context, the beautiful and pious virgin martyrs of the church help us to see more clearly the spotless bride of Christ, Holy Mother Church, as she is constantly under attack even today. Pope St. John Paul II beatified her in 1987 and praised her for her holy example of innocence, piety, and fidelity to purity. Blessed Antonia Messina's feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on May 17th. I'm Bess Drozimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting here talking to Suzanne Hollerbach-Nelson. Uh, she's a dame of Malta, and uh, she, her first experience in Lourdes was... Um, a pilgrimage with her beautiful little daughter. Uh, and you were just telling us, Suzanne, about uh, like your turning point when you got to Lourdes, because it was a little rough. It was really rough, and I think if I think in my mind about why this has it taken me so long to answer your question, because it's a hard one to answer, but I'll just try and spit it out. Um, so way earlier in Margaret's life, I had already, in my mind, had accepted all of God's plan and his will for her mm-hmm. that's a hard thing to do yes it was so you say you're choking it out you're like, but well that's why i avoided the question because <laughs> i knew it would be a hard one to answer yeah if you would have asked me before i went to lords i could have easily given you your answer because i had only gone to the level of my mind i was just too terrified to open up my heart because i was afraid it would just wow. break so i can't i'm having a hard time answering the question now but if you would have asked me before I went to Lourdes in 2015, mm-hmm. I could have very methodically answered your question. Yeah, but that's if God takes my daughter, God takes my daughter, and I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't even have cried. Right. But the reality is when I was in Lourdes at the healing mass, 
I finally opened up my heart to let God get to the one place he was trying to help me was my heart because that's where my soul is. You know what's amazing is um, it's called a healing mass. <laughs> and that was the mass <laughs> the for reality. me. And you're, and you're, but you're talking, Suzanne, about you being healed. I was. Well, she was absolutely healed in terms of um, a lot of her illnesses. We actually right. ended up getting a real physical healing from Margaret. And on day three, so we were already going down to the bath. And I thought, okay, it's either going to happen or it's not. And then I thought, you know what, Suzanne, you're not supposed to set a time limit on when God heals. Right. Just let that go. And we were... Um, in St. Sylvia where we were staying and one of the dames in the order said I didn't think your daughter could walk all by herself down the stairs and I said well she can't and they said turn around and look she is your husband's walking right in front of her and the clarity in her eyes it was like watching somebody wake up from a fog Wow! and it was really evident on the flight back home because on the flight here when we had to make our way to the bathroom she was completely oblivious to everybody on that plane and on the way home she was scanning. She was trying to get her seatbelt off. got it off. I thought, oh, she needs to go to the bathroom. No, she had other plans. She was looking for somebody. So obvious changes. In, Big in changes. Her. And so what happened was she's scanning, scanning, looking, looking, until she found Dr. Feely. And she went and crawled on that poor man's lap. I mean, what a great doctor to allow her to do that. And she just wanted to look in his eyes and tell him thank you. And she's still nonverbal. Oh, how beautiful. But yeah, that's that is what so she beautiful. Was and you for. know what? You don't have to worry about him because he's the one that asked, right? He's the one that invited. Yeah. He knew he what did. he was getting into. He and did. you know that was a special, special moment for him. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he's asked me to do things since. And he did ask me to, um, he said, you know, I want, I want you to help me do some things. And I said, okay. And to the man that brought you to the grotto of, of St. Bernadette mm. and healed your daughter? Well, what? there's nothing he couldn't ask me that I wouldn't say okay to. So yeah. we've done fundraisers together. We've gone to Lebanon to help heal children over there together. And then he asked me to write a book. Write a book. Now, was that something that was on your... Uh Sort of, but not the kind of book he wanted. I wanted to write a medical book, and I have a title for it. And I I was going to write a book called um, The New Face of Medicine. You learn what it means to advocate for yourself. So you already had that book title. Well, I got the title because my kids have been bugging me for years. Write this book, Mom. People could ask you questions if you just write the book. So that's not the book Dr. Feely wanted me to write. Or God. No, apparently not because that one's not published. You had a different title in mind. And so your book is called You've Been Called a preparatory book for the companion traveling to Lourdes. Um, and uh, I haven't had an opportunity to read it, but I promise you I will. Because uh, just having talked to you and your experience makes me think that you are uniquely qualified to, to tell this story uh, to help companions. right? Because we, we think about the Malads, we think about the people that we bring to Lourdes, we, we think about the people who are, you know, are, are coming with all of their faith and with all of this hope and uh, this this great and profound desire, and, and we want them to have all the you know the blessings that they can have and all the grace, but we don't often think about the people that come along with them, the companions. Well, and after this journey, I would say that if you are a companion to a child, in a way, you are on the lot as well. And that's, that's pretty very profound, though. different. It's, well, you had a healing. I, I mean, did, and 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 I and I didn't even know I needed one, which is really kind of funny. You know, oh, and okay. so my so best now, teacher was again my child. Now you're just admitting that you're human, like the rest of us. It's like, no, I'm pretty good, God. You know, but take care of that person over there. Take care of that person over there. I got, I'm pretty okay. You know, mm-hmm. and then you realize that you aren't all okay. 
And God constantly reminds us through all the events and for us as parents, you know, through our children, that we, we need constantly his grace. And we don't often think about that that way. But you, you experience God's grace in a profound way in, in Lourdes, and it's actually sort of caused this huge change in you. My, my whole life is so different, and the people in my life are, are so different. And it's actually, I guess it, maybe in a way it's good I don't look back. I just keep plowing forward because uh, my mind and my heart are so open that wherever he asks me to go, I'll now go. And I wasn't someone that really left the Midwest ever. You know. Every once in a while, you know, because if, if you do live in the past, that's problematic. I think Jesus even talks about the person tending the plow. And if you're looking over your shoulder, you know, your, your, your plow line is going to be curved. It's going to be problematic, right? And so we don't, we shouldn't be living in the past and re- always look, checking ourselves where we were, etc. But there are times where I think God gives you this little glimpse, you know, hindsight. You're able to look back and go like, wow. Goodness gracious, you know, I've, I've, I'm a different person. And I'm reminded that like when people come up to me and say like, dude, I knew you before you had that little collar around your neck. You know, I knew who you were and you're just like, you're so different. And I would imagine people see you, Suzanne, now and go like, what has happened to you? I mean, you were a good person before. Well, that was what I was thinking is, you know, I've been a daily mass goer for, right. forever. Even when I was a little girl. You were I, a good Catholic. I was a good Catholic before. <laughs> I went to confession frequently and had a spiritual director. But, but again, it was at the level of my mind and, and my heart really wasn't open. But now my heart is open. Mm. So now that my heart's open, I can see a need very quickly. And I don't think about, oh, somebody else will take care of it. And, oh, I shouldn't stand up. I just stand up and go meet the need. And I don't even think about it. Yeah, meet the need. I just remember when you were talking uh, with the Malads um, the other day. And you, and you were, you, this idea that, like, let us serve you. Let, let me do this. You were begging them. You were asking them. Because there was, there was there's obviously now, maybe there some to some degree it was before but now it's a profound desire to serve yes right and, th- and this is what brings you back time and time again it brings me back all the time and many times with margaret i just call her my baby jesus and it helps put me in the right perspective and oh. and when i can't when i couldn't go to daily mass because she wasn't well my priest said when you can't make it to mass and i know you want to that's your tabernacle and he pointed to margaret he said don't you ever forget oh, it oh my gosh you're gonna make me cry be present <laughs> so what i'm always trying to do with lords is i want to be present i want to serve i when you have an open heart and you don't think that God needs your intellect, because he doesn't need my intellect, he needs my open heart, and then he's going to tell me what these malads need and companions, and then I can help them. So the reason I wrote the book was because as a companion, many people don't know, well, how can I help? Well, what you're supposed to do is have an open heart, look at the person you're trying to help, and God will tell you what they need. And Malta is incredibly good about that. Because their heart is so open. Mm. That's why they were able to meet my needs, my husband's needs, my daughter's needs, without us even asking. Because their heart was open, and God will tell you. He speaks right to you. So many people who've had experiences maybe like yours um, would have by now folded up their tent, closed shop, gone home, stopped, and and sort of given up. And and yet you see this as this, uh, it's a new opportunity. It's a new adventure. I'm going forward. You say, I'm not looking back. I'm going forward. That's a, it's a beautiful testimony. Well, I can, again, thank all of my children, but I remember when somebody said, can you just be? And I'm like, what do they mean? And then someone said, well, you just are supposed to experience joy. And I mean, I'm an intellectual person. I know what the word joy means, but I still had to go look it up in the dictionary because my heart was closed. So I didn't know what it felt like to feel joy. But now I'm joyful every morning. 
m- almost every morning I'm joyful. And, I mean, Margaret Healing has, inc- has helped me a lot. And when we got back from Lourdes, Dr. Feely examined Margaret, and he said, well, we've gone from five diagnoses down to two. And my mother told me, Suzanne, you need to learn a little humility. Yes, you can thank God for all of his healing for Margaret, but your job as a parent is to keep knocking on the door, learn some humility, and, and I pray the litany of humility now to help me do that. I feel certain God's not done with you. Probably not. You know, you've got more stuff going on, and, and the idea that, and the realization that all of this, um, while as a parent, we, we would wish it away, right? We would just... And, and the, but then in hindsight, you look and realize that you are the person you are today because of Margaret. I am. Right? And, and each of your kids, obviously, your husband, all the, all the events in your life, however um, daunting or tragic or joyful or you know, whatever, they make you who you are right now at this moment. Well, and the desire in my heart is to have people not have to go through the stuff we did. So actually, Dr. Feely and I and my daughter Emily created an algorithm. So we want a massive paradigm shift in medicine. Wow. So, no, I'm serious about this. We're going to awesome. get it published, and I have people that are going to help me do that. And Dr. Feely's published before. And so we want to look at, look at what's going on with the person. Don't look at the, the diagnosis and then dump them into therapy because therapy alone is not going to fix her brain. So if we can biomedically look at where her brain is and help her along, that's going to so do it. So the medical aspect of it is, is the scientific and, and all of that stuff is, is amazing. And I'm, I'm glad there are people like you and Dr. Feely who, who are doing those kinds of things. But also you can't discount um, the, well, the healing and the, the, the medicine of love, right? God's love. God is love. love as a parent, right? And all of that stuff is, is amazing uh, where we don't want to put people in certain situations in little boxes and, and decide, well, they're not valuable or they're whatever, and realize that in every human life, right, God has poured himself in, into each person, human, the, the, great, the great dignity that he's given each human being. Absolutely. Right? And he loves everyone, and, and that stuff is powerful. And I'm thankful that you... Uh, told your story here for us. Thank you for allowing me to tell the story. Suzanne um, Hollerbach Nelson, thank you so much for being here. And uh, again, the book is You've Been Called, a preparatory book for the companion traveling to Lourdes. And you can go to Amazon.com and and find that book if you want to know more about that. Suzanne, thank you so much for being here. You are welcome. So we're going to ask Our Lady, Our Lady of Lourdes, to intercede on our behalf, certainly on Margaret's, but all of your kids, all of the families, and everyone who needs to have the love of a mother. Yes. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.